You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Second time this season, it's Horvat in overtime. We have a bowl. I'm not going to shoot the puck anymore. And, um, I'm not going to score any more goals. So. Why are you so pissy? The Canucks are not getting any indication from Patterson that he wants to be here long term. And here come the pretzels. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Halford, it is Brouth, it is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason Brough running behind this morning. He'll be joining us shortly. No worries here. I'm flying solo. I'm on the solo cam on the stream on Sportsnet Plus. A-Dog's here. A-Dog, good morning to you. Good morning. And Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Brough of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today, we are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech is Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. If you have sore feet, you know what you're waiting for? Kintech. That's what. Wow. Well, you set yourself up there. That was Not cool. Bad, That's eh? very nice. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. We a got little, a big show. A little teary-eyed here, actually. Single solitary tear from the A-Dog. We have a big show ahead on a Tuesday, a game day Tuesday here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Guest list gets underway at 6.30. Greg Wyshynski, our good buddy from ESPN.com, NHL Insider, is going to join us. We will talk about the Elias Pettersson contract situation. Yes, we will talk about the Elias Pettersson contract situation. Did you know, dogs, were you aware that in his bold preseason predictions, Greg Wyshynski wrote the following. <clears throat> the Elias Pettersson contract speculation will loom over everything. Wow. Dominus Dumb- over here. Uh, Greg impressive. knew. Uh, we'll talk to Greg at 630. We can set up tonight's game, by the way. Canucks, Penguins, 7 o'clock. From Rogers Arena, big game tonight against uh, a team that the Canucks have many ties to, of course, with the executive and the coaching staff and the former players. Speaking of Pittsburgh, 7.30, we're going to go to Pittsburgh. Sean Gentili, NHL writer from The Athletic, is going to join us. We'll talk to Sean about tonight's opponent. Uh, A very erratic season for the aforementioned Penguins as they win a couple lose a couple. They have one two straight as they come to Vancouver tonight. This kicks off a big, lengthy uh, Western Canada and, of course, Seattle road swing for them. So Sean Gentili is going to join us at 7.30 from The Athletic to preview tonight's game. Speaking of a preview of tonight's game, 8, o'co- eight o'clock. Whoops. Well, whoops. We had a good show going there. It was fun. 8 o'clock. Brandon Batchelor is going to join us off the program, the play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks. He will be on the call tonight. What time is that again? 8 o clock thank you i do that often often enough it's fine uh so working in reverse on the guest list eight o'clock it's batch seven thirty it's sean gentilly from the athletic six thirty it's greg wasinski from espn mentioned of course canucks penguins seven o'clock rogers arena tonight uh jason is here now good morning jason good morning uh i missed you i did the kintech read well but yeah. then i called it eight o'clock <sighs> 
you didn't. And then you to. said it again. You win <laughs> some. Say it again. You win some and you lose some. Yeah. Okay. Well. It was eventful. The <laughs> two minutes to start the show. That is. <laughs> you the You should show. have seen my drive in. <laughs> <laughs> that is the show. That is a rundown, laddie. Without further ado, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was. We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that. You missed that. What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. The Vancouver Canucks may have had a day off yesterday, but for those of you on social media, you know that Canucks Twitter did not have a day off. In fact, they had a day on. A day on fire, that was. It all began with those jackals at Czech TV, better known as Donnie and Dolly who decided that they were going to put a poll question out into the ether, <laughs> into the universe. A poll question. This is why poll questions are awesome, by the, the way. The most serious thing that we have as a society. Poll questions are tearing the world apart. One by one. They're the best. I wish we could do them. Yeah. I really want, we should bring them back. And, and what, did this, what did this poll question ask? Well, the poll question... Was not was about the Vancouver Canucks. I'll, I'll start there. But uh, without dedicating, and now that I realize it, too much of our time to a rival show and station, uh, Donnie and Dolly. rivals. They're partners. They're partners. They're partners. I consider everyone a rival. <laughs> Considers you a rival, <laughs> Just so we're clear. <laughs> other, I can, other shows on the station. I, yeah. You're all rivals to me. I, hell, I consider Bruff a rival. <laughs> can you show up on time? Rival? Anyway. They ran a poll question, not about the big win over Boston on Saturday, not about the fact that the Canucks had gone through some adversity and come out the other side. No. What kind of poll question could they run about that win? Would it be like, did you like that? Yeah, that's a great poll question. <laughs> the Canucks won. Did you have fun? Yeah. Yes. No. Or maybe. How awesome was it? The answers include awesome, super awesome, and very awesome. No. The poll question was... Who will you blame if the Canucks trade Elias Pettersson? Not dun, dun, dun. Not will you be upset if the Canucks trade Elias Pettersson? Or do you think the Canucks will trade Elias Pettersson? Galaxy brained it seven steps ahead. I personally was like, whatever. It's a poll question. I'm a grown man. I have lots of things on the go that don't involve getting upset over a poll question. Apparently, I was in the minority yesterday. You, you actually you don't have much on the go but i was also asleep when all this happened he was making a sandwich just so we're clear <laughs> anyway <laughs> things kind of went crazy now i understand that there's a, a a cross section of our listenership i'm not sure how large but that they don't engage either with the online presence or with social media they don't really know the fury and the furor and to be fair social media things do kind of last in 24 hour seconds but there was a lot of people that were upset and then the conversation sort of mushroom clouded. That's how I describe it. It got bigger and bigger, and it became about media's involvement and media, what they were supposed to be doing, what they should be doing, should this conversation be happening, whatever. It kind of got really big and not all that pleasant. I'm going to play some audio from Donnie and Dolly yesterday where they were kind of facing the wrath and the backlash and why are we talking about this and not talking about the team and are you guys playing into Eastern media's and, and they're, they're sort of, puppeteer and the puppet master thing with the Canucks. All of this happened yesterday. <laughs> Here's the audio. Donnie Dolly talking about, in the very essence, uh, Elias Pettersson and his contract situation. 
it's become a distraction now for the Canucks. I, I, that's the only way I can say it. And, and Donnie, they're willing to talk and throw a lot of money at Patterson, but uh, they don't have a willing participant to talk contract with. That's the bottom line. And the Canucks have to protect themselves. They can't go through this again next year, folks. They can't. They cannot go through this next year when it will be 10 times worse because he's a UFA. He's an RFA now. Mm. Um, teams are calling because the future is unknown for Patterson. Canucks are not getting any indication from Patterson that he wants to be here long term. There's frustration there. Uh, I still have no intel that he wants out. Up till now, I've always thought Patterson would sign, but I'm not so sure now. Uh, Vancouver's got to do their homework here, Donnie, when it comes to a trade. they got to do the homework. I don't see a trade in the next two weeks, but if it doesn't get resolved in the summer, obviously if uh, he's not here long term, it could, it could end up gearing that way. Okay, so uh, I spent entirely too much time on X or Twitter or whatever they call it now. You yesterday. were you were you were online yesterday. You were I online. Was online. You were it online. was uh, I, I was some old school Jason online bruff last night and during the afternoon actually, and I uh, had a lot of people that agreed with me and a lot of people that disagreed with me. Um, I don't know if you know this, but uh, social media tends to. Um, uh, kind of like it's uh, it divides people into like silos of mm. like groups. No. no, it does. It divides like, people. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't believe it. Even in even in something benign as a local hockey team, <laughs> and, a, and, a poll, and a poll question. Yeah, Although poll, poll questions question. are inherently divisive. Okay. Anyway, continue. Okay, so here's my take on the situation. I even wrote some stuff out. I get that Pedersen said he didn't want to talk about it during the season. Believe me, I know. I had half the Canucks fan base remind me that Pedersen said he didn't want to talk about it. So I just want to make that clear. I understand that. And I get that that's his right. He is perfectly within his contractual rights to wait. He's under contract now. He's playing the games. And for a lot of people, that's good enough. Here's why I think it's still worth talking about. Just talking about it. Just discussing it. Are you ready? Are you ready for the reason why it's worth talking about it and newsworthy? I am newsworthy. Re- newsworthy. I am ready. I am ready. I am ready. We're ready. not just doing it for the clicks. I'm ready. The Vancouver Canucks. The team we all cheer for, you know, like the the team. The team, the one with the the, the whale logo. It's, uh, you know, we, we all hope they win the Stanley Cup one day. The actual team, the organization, and the people running the team, Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine, they want to talk to Petey now. And they're getting frustrated that he won't even come to the table. I asked someone that's a lot more dialed in than me yesterday, how frustrated are the Canucks that Petey won't even come to the table? The answer was very. I did not ask. I did not ask Rick Dollywall this, but he said yesterday the Canucks are frustrated. So two different sources. We could put it that way. Sure. Yeah. Just people that are more dialed in than me. There's almost a feeling within the Canucks of. What more do we have to do here? You, Petey, said you wanted to play for a winner. Well, we're winning. 
was that just a line you threw out there? Because the other thing we've said is we've still got a lot of work to do. Tons of it. We've got a plan for the future so we're not just a one-and-done winner. We'd like that future to be with you. We'd love that future to be with you. We really, really like you. But now, because you won't even come to the table to talk to us, we're having to make a contingency plan in case it doesn't involve you. If we wait until the offseason and you bail on us, maybe some of the players we've targeted in the contingency plan aren't available anymore, perhaps. If you bail on us, maybe we have to work harder to lock down some of our pending UFAs, or maybe we don't lock down some of our pending UFAs because we have to explore the possibility of taking a step back next season and using our cap space in a different way. Meanwhile, Pedersen, and again, this is his right, and this is what he said he wants to do, doesn't think he's doing anything wrong by taking his time. Maybe he wants 100% of his focus to be on hockey. Maybe he still doesn't believe that the winning is sustainable long-term in Vancouver. Maybe he doesn't think, maybe he actually didn't think the Canucks had any chance of winning this season. Now he's like, uh, what do I, this, what do I do coming. now? Did not see this uh, Maybe waiting is all about gaining leverage in a negotiation. Maybe he doesn't like sushi. Maybe, maybe he's tired of the rain. Who knows? He's not going to tell us. He's not going to tell us. We know that. But really, what it all comes down to is whether you think it's a big deal that the Canucks are frustrated that they can't get Petey to the table. The team wants him to start negotiating. He won't. I personally think that's worth talking about it, no matter what he said about waiting until the end of the season. If the team is frustrated, it doesn't mean I'm frustrated, it doesn't mean Halford's frustrated, it doesn't mean A-Dog's frustrated, it doesn't mean Laddie's frustrated, but if the team is frustrated, that's news. That's something that's happening right now. It's about the team. And as a fan of the team, I'd like to see this manager group get some certainty on his situation. I like what they've done to improve the team. Have we all liked what they've done to improve the team? I'd like to see what else they can do. One last point, because I realize this has been a long rant. We've talked so much about alignment, the, the, the importance of alignment, and everyone from management to the coaching staff to the players are all rowing in the same direction. Can we all agree that alignment is important and that it's been a good thing for this team? I even talk about how the guys down in the AHL, like Baines is coming up and he's going like, it's a lot easier to join the team because what we do in Abbotsford, we do in Vancouver. Well, everyone's rowing in the same direction, but the Canucks don't know which way Petey wants to row. He's out like puttering around in uh, like a dinghy. He's one of their best players. He's about to become one of the highest paid players in the league. And there are some people out there who don't think this is worth discussing, even dis like talking about it. They only want us to talk about the great season the Canucks are having, which we have. But, you know, fair enough if that's what you want. Um, I'm not going to tell you how to be a fan. I'm just trying to lay out why this is, for me, I think worthwhile discussing. 
I think we can discuss both. What a great season the Canucks are having in the, you know, one of the three hours of the show that we have. Mm -hmm. And then maybe another, uh, I don't know, half hour of the show, we can be like, but you know what? I'm kind of curious about what's going to happen with Pedersen. And then we can do some NFL talk, some NBA talk. It's because it's three hours. It's a three-hour show. I think we should do everything as related to the Canucks and the NHL. And that, my friends, is my Elias Pedersen rant. Yeah, and I, you know, I didn't really want to add too much onto it because I think, well, one, it's a good rant, and two, no one wants to hear a rant followed up by a rant. But, you know, there are times where, yeah, we have to take a step back and kind of explain why we're talking about certain things. I think it's very reflective of the modern fan experience and the and especially locally where all a lot of people want to do is amplify the good and turn down the suck and for that oftentimes that conversation falls into i don't want to hear anything negative or potentially even negative like he hasn't like and it's left, fine and, that, and that's and that's fine well you know and that's fine why it I, is a lot of people don't want to imagine the possibility that he leaves and that's understandable Right? That angers this is, them. This is supposed to be like a therapeutic outlet for some people where they just have fun with it and they enjoy it. I get, and that's fine. It's totally fine. But I go back to what we've said countless times, and this goes way beyond a hockey conversation. This is almost a life approach. Like some people are going to say things that you don't like in life, and you're going to disagree with them. But there's a variety of different ways. And, and pushback is great. Pushback is fantastic, right? But... I think he did a really nice job of explaining why this matters and why it's important and why it's relevant. And it's not for some sort of sadistic, conspiracy-fueled reason, which is like we're doing this to... For clicks. Or to like wedge further between the organization and Pedersen. There's no ulterior motive here. You reached out and... You tried to figure out exactly what the tone and temperament of everything is. You're not getting played by someone back east. Like, this is just <laughs> what's happening. The organization is frustrated that they can't get a deal done. No, they're, they're frustrated that they can't even get them to the table. And that's understandable. And it's also understandable that the player said, I'm not going to do any negotiations until the season is done. I'm going to stand by that. Both things are true. You Both know things are happening is? in real time. Yeah, yeah, you know. Oh, there's your real time. I know. There's, you know, what the conclusion is? Wow, that's kind of an interesting situation, isn't it? This the situation is <laughs> unfolding as it's unfolding, and it's also happening in a wildly successful season, which is also a wildly surprising season. Mm -hmm. Which I think, again, when we have these reactions and the fan base very split and divided, it doesn't really surprise me because there's no blueprint. For what's going on right now in the 50 plus years of Canucks hockey, I don't remember a time where the team was in first place in the overall NHL standings in March, because we're basically in March right now, and one of their star players was in this kind of contractual limbo. It just mm -hmm. hasn't happened before. I have a question for you guys. Yes, A-Dog. Um, now, Petey's having a very good year, so yes. it's weird to sort of say it this way, because it, it sounds like it's a criticism, but it isn't really. But we can all kind of agree he's looked a little off at times this season. Like, his play has just been, I don't know, like, he hasn't been fully engaged or I don't know what it is, but there's a mental thing going on sure. there. Yep. He's just looked a little off at times. Now, could that be because of this situation, which was supposed to be created for not to be a distraction, 
but this situation now has become a distraction, and could that possibly be Would you like my, com- coming back my, towards him? My, my bang honest review on this is that the Pedersen of this year is pretty much the guy that we've seen since he broke into the NHL. This is what he is. He's not a perfect player. He's streaky, but he's going to put up a, probably 100 points year over year. That's why it's weird to say, because he always produces. But that's what he is. <laughs> like, I don't think, you know, I think... I think he's been off defensively. Mm-hmm. Maybe, that's, yeah, that, that, maybe. that's one thing that makes me could this situation be weighing on him something. at all? Like, but I mean, it just—it just seems to me like it could potentially become a distraction to him, which is funny because the whole idea of it was to not be distracted. Like I, I said it earlier when they were talking about, well, you're going to pay him like a franchise player. I'm like, yeah, but he's not your franchise player. If I was to say the most important player on the team right now would be Quinn Hughes, oh, the by second, far. and the second would be Thatcher Demko. Yes. No, and no, you no, need from, a one. JT Miller's in there, and you need JT Miller. I, I like. There's three guys who would be up for MVP right now: it would be Hughes, Demko, and JT Miller. Right. Yeah. Now that being said, at the end of this. The highest paid player out of all of those is, if it goes the way that I think it's going to go, is going to be Elias Pettersson. Oh, easily. So all these things are true. Nothing is, there's no spin. There's no trying to like frame things to make a point or, you know, make this a very black and white argument. I think there's a lot of gray to it, unfortunately. And it's because mm-hmm. Pettersson's a pretty complex individual within a very complex situation. Like everyone else's contract situation is kind of okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, this you know, one's like, not. Like, even even personally, um, when I'm talking to friends about it, when people ask me, like, what's going on with Petey? I'm like, I'm like, I'm tempted to say something like, well, I'm on the radio. I should, like, know what's going to happen. I should, no you, know, you know, it'd be like, oh, he's gone. No you know, idea. or something, or don't worry, he'll sign. You know, like, I don't know. I don't know how it'll play out. You know, I, 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 honestly, like, and I, and I just say that now, like maybe, maybe like a few years ago when I didn't have as much experience in this, where, when I hadn't been like surprised or wrong so many times and sometimes, right. You know, I, m- I remember with Boudreaux, I was like, I was telling people like, listen, um, what I'm hearing is that like the, the new management doesn't like this guy. Right. Like they don't, they, it's not that they don't like this guy. They just don't feel he's right for the team. And, and people were like, really? Like. Everyone loves him so much, and he did such a great job last season. I'm like, yeah, you know that, you know, for whatever reason, they just want a different style of coach. Mm-hmm. And then, like, people couldn't believe that. But kind of like I, 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 I did know that. Like, I'd heard some things behind the scenes, and and I'm like, yeah, that's going to be interesting to watch. Okay. And it was interesting to watch, right? With this sort of thing, um, the only thing, like, I guess I, we know. Like I, again, I reached out to someone yesterday. I said, "How frustrated are the Canucks?" And the answer was, "Very." You know, well, yeah, so like, with, especially with the, so that's like I'd the that's trade like, deadline coming up too, right? Too. Like, that, that's like news. Yeah, yeah, I'd be frustrated too that you, you can't even get them to the table. But you're, okay, because you're on. kind of like, but 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 that being said, like, I don't. I also know that Petey um, went through some things a few years ago where he got distracted with. Maybe it was social media or he just got off his game a little bit. I don't know what happened. But he said, like, I learned some things and I'm going to try for that not to happen again. So maybe that's related to this. And he's just like, listen, he said I won't talk about it mm-hmm. before the season. I realize you want me to talk about it, but I think it's best for me. And as a result, I actually think it's best for the team. 
that I don't talk about it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe this is a possibility, or maybe he just wants out. Maybe, maybe, maybe these are all maybes I'm saying because I'm telling you I have no idea. That's why I was kind of like right at the end. He's like, maybe he doesn't like sushi. Maybe, maybe he doesn't like the rain. Like sure. a lot of people don't like the rain in Vancouver. They want to go somewhere warmer or even colder with more sun. You know, like it. I would. Just, I don't know. I, I, would, I don't know. I would just preach uh, a little bit more contextualization from people. Take a look at when he says, or he, just the general he, but Bruff in this instance. The royal says, he? Well, it's like the Canucks are frustrated, but that doesn't mean that Pedersen's done anything wrong. All he did, and, and then the, both those things can be true. All he's done is at the beginning of the year said, I don't want to talk about my contract or negotiate during the season. And he's held firm on that. Awesome. That's his right. That is what he chose to do. He's sticking with it. And I will also add, he has like 74 points in 60 games. So it's not like he's not performing. No, yeah. He is going to get paid a remarkable sum of money, either from the Canucks or somebody else. That part is also true. There's no doubting that. If he doesn't get it from the Canucks, he'll get it somewhere else. Because he is a 100-point first-line center on an elite team in the NHL. So there's that as well. The team that currently employs him. Is frustrated that they can't get a deal done because they need to plan for the future. Well, they need to know what to hey! do with the trade deadline. That's right. a huge thing. Like, right. It completely changes their trade deadline approach if he stays or not. So, like, that's it's a big, big factor. But they don't have any control over it. I know, but and I can see why they'd be frustrated by that. That is also fine. Yeah, he's giving them just, like, nothing. And right? then we it's like, see- ah, we got a yeah. trade deadline coming up. We need to plan things. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and that's like- fine. But he's like, okay, but your plans are different than my plans. <laughs> well, <laughs> and that's, that's the situation yeah. in a nutshell. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Arena, Kalinka, Knox games. It is Brendan Bachelor, Bachelor, Bachelor. 801 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Brendan Bachelor, play by play voice of the Vancouver Canucks here. On Sportsnet 650, is going to join us in just a moment to kick off Hour 3. Hour 3 of this show is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintec. To the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning hotline we go. It's the first call. It's the only call. This call goes to Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Canucks, here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Batch. How are you? I'm well. Welcome back, Mike. Thanks. Yeah, it's been good. Two days back. Nothing important has happened. The internet <laughs> blew up yesterday, but that's fine. It's okay. We're just uh, here to focus on the game tonight. Hey, Batch, since you're the guy that uh, tweets out the lines before uh, every game, um, what did you think of the new-look lines, and in particular, what did you think about Elias Elias? Lindholm as uh, I guess he was the three C in the game against Boston. Yeah. I I liked the lines. First of all, I think it allowed them to roll four lines more effectively and create some more shift to shift momentum. And it kind of felt like what we'd seen from them, you know, earlier in the season in terms of 
you know, all the lines contributing, finding a way to help out, finding a way to control play to some degree. And I think, you know, the, the big reason for that was sort of the, the, the way he was able to solidify the middle of the ice um, by playing those guys all on separate lines. As far as Lindholm being on the third line, I actually think when you look at it, that Pedersen might have been on the third line. Um, and I know the, the order that I tweet them in is the way they skate. So it's usually Pedersen that goes first. But in terms of the way those lines were deployed, in terms of um, you know, the, the role that they were meant to serve, uh, I kind of think that, that Pedersen might, might be the 3C in that scenario in terms of importance based on the wingers he had. Obviously, there's mm-hmm. offensive upside there, but um, you know, that, that Lindholm line, I think, played a pretty key role in, in you know, controlling play at times. And I've heard you talking about wanting Lindholm between Joshua and Garland. Well, Lindholm between Baines and Garland is kind of the next best thing. And that, that line with Joshua on it with Bluger and Garland, when they've been effective, even though we're calling them the third line, um, they're really the second line in terms of their importance to the team. So that's kind of the way I looked at it. But um, really, it's like a 2A, 2B situation rather than anybody, anybody being the third line. It gives them more depth. It helps them out while Joshua's not in the lineup. And it'll be interesting to see what they do when he does get back. Do you like Petey and Hoaglander together? I think there's some potential there. I agree. I, I, I do. I think, um, you know, as long as Hoaglander continues to play the way that he has, um, which, you know, Talkett has sort of alluded to the fact that he thought he was trying to be too fancy when he had him up the lineup earlier in the season. And now he understands his role of getting in on the four check and causing a hassle and getting under the skin of opponents while also having the ability to score big goals and, and chip in offensively. That to me complements the way Patterson wants to play because Patterson is, you know, usually a good two-way player. I think we've seen his defensive game slip a bit this year, but He's not that F1 forechecking guy. He's not the guy that's going to go in and, mm-hmm. and get the puck like uh, like we've seen other players do more effectively. Like, you know, Di Giuseppe used to do on the Miller line at the start of the season, and Miller's very effective at that. We know Garland can, can do that job. Certainly Joshua can as well. That's not really Pedersen's game, or it doesn't seem like it is right now. So playing him with a guy who, first of all, he's going to have chemistry with you know, Hoaglander and Pedersen are buddies off the ice. They're both Swedes. Um, so they, they have some chemistry and some commonality there off the ice. And then on the ice, they've combined well. And I also thought it was one of the better games we've seen in recent weeks from Ilya Mikheyev as well. Um, so the opportunity to get back on Pedersen's line, I don't think was necessarily lost on him. And it'll be interesting to see if those three can build some chemistry going forward. Hey, Batch, um, we were kind of touched on this earlier in the show, but if you had to pick an MVP for the Canucks this season, who would it be and how tough would that decision be? You've got uh, Thatcher Demko, who is going to be in the Vesna conversation, maybe a finalist for the Vesna. you got Quinn Hughes, who's maybe the favorite to win the Norris. But I think certainly most recently, we have to put JT Miller in the conversation for MVP of the team. Yeah, certainly in in recent weeks, Miller has kind of elevated his game and and shown the kind of player that he's going to be for this team going forward down the stretch here and into the playoffs. And those are guys that you can win with and and guys that you you need to have um, playing the right way. And, you know, we all heard the comments talk it made about 
um, you know, his composure and, and the bench's composure in the win over Boston. But to me, it's still Quinn Hughes, like by a country mile. I just think the things this guy does for this team, the way they are able to control play when he and Hironic are on the ice, mm-hmm. without Quinn Hughes, they would not be anywhere near where they are right now. And that's not to discredit Miller or Demko because they're both very important parts to the team as well. But having a franchise-level defenseman like this is something the Canucks have never had before in their history, and we're seeing how much of a difference it can make in terms of the overall team results to have a guy that you know, can exit and enter zones with will, essentially. A guy that, um, you know, dances on the blue line in the offensive zone the way he does, the the opportunities he creates by uh, using his edge work and, and now using his shot, right? He scored more goals this year than we've traditionally seen from him. So, um, you know, they've got a lot of good players. They've got a lot of guys that could be MVPs, but to me there's only one MVP of this team, and it's the captain. Yeah, no, I fully agree with you. I just wanted to give... JT Miller some appreciation because I think that was a big deal that Tockett singled out JT Miller for his composure on the bench and not only like staying composed himself but like as a leader keeping the team focused because keeping everyone including himself focused was not always a strength of JT Miller and if you can reinforce it in that way and say like, hey, look what happens when you do keep your focus and you don't get frustrated and, you know, you realize that, you know, you got to hang in there in games and you can help turn the team around. Man, that's like, that's it was Saturday night against Boston was the perfect way to reinforce that. Agree? Yeah, absolutely. And JT Miller is a fiery player and you like that about him, but you want him to channel that fire properly. And you know, talk, it sort of alluded to it saying he was happy that nobody was smashing sticks or getting frustrated coming to the bench. We've seen that version of JT Miller. I much prefer the version of JT Miller that goes out and, and dominates opponents and, um, you know, has the, the great offensive stretch that he has lately and, and becomes a true leader for this team and, and, you know, sort of understands his role in, in all of that and how important, you know, his body language as a leader on the team is and, and the fact that smashing your stick and being all pouty, um, you know, isn't going to change anything, right? The only thing that could change anything is what you do on the ice and how you carry forward, uh, you know, regardless of the situation you're in. So whether you're down to nothing, up to nothing, and this is something they've preached all year long. They want to play the same regardless of, of the way things are going. And we're seeing Miller, I think, start to elevate his game a little bit here, start to hone in on that focus and you can understand why because now we're at the point of the season where the playoffs are really almost here right like it's basically March um, you know six weeks away from real postseason games and these players that won't be lost on them either and for a guy like Miller who's going to be incredibly important to any potential success the Canucks want to have in the postseason this year it's nice to see that he's he's focusing his game that way that he's understanding what he's going to have to do to help this team have success in the postseason. And, you know, it's not surprising to me that we're seeing this version of JT Miller at this time of the year, because this is a guy that does have postseason experience, albeit, you know, a while ago now. Um, so, you know, it, it'll be good to, to hopefully see him continue to bring that part of his game out and be that kind of a leader, because 
that kind of player is exactly the kind of player you want in a tough playoff series. Only five games to go until the trade deadline. What if you're if you're the GM? Uh, what's at the top of your shopping list? Yeah, my answer to that has probably changed a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Initially, I would have said defensive depth and defensive help. Um, but I think sort of the emergence of Noah Juleson as a consistent performer, coupled with the fact that you're going to get Carson Soucy back here at some point, means that I'm looking more at the forward group. And especially if we expect the centermen to be deployed the way that we have seen them deployed recently, I'm looking at the wing and I'm saying, okay, you're going to, you're going to, if you're going to spread out Pedersen, Miller and Lindholm, Mm. then you probably need help on the wings. And whether that is as high profile an acquisition as someone like Jake Gensel, or maybe more of a complimentary piece, or maybe it just means bringing Phil Kessel in and seeing if he can fit in your lineup somewhere and, and provide you some offensive punch and play on your power play remains to be seen. But um, you know, knowing Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine, they probably want to try and do all of those things that I've alluded to. They're going to have to prioritize, but um, you know, I'd like the way the top six has played of late. You can always use more defensive help and defensive depth. So I'm sure that they're looking at bringing in guys that can help insulate for potential injuries on a long playoff run, because needless to say, we know in Vancouver what blue line injuries can do to your Stanley Cup hopes. You don't have to look back that far. Just look back to yeah. what it meant to them to lose Dan Hamhuse in, in the Cup final in 2011. Um, so that's always important. But I, I look at the wings now and I say, okay, can you bring someone in that helps solidify your lines in the event that you're going to play Pedersen, Miller, and Lindholm on separate lines for the most part? Uh, would you have any interest in seeing a line of Nils Hoaglander, Elias Pettersson, and Archdeef Baines. Yeah, I, I'm up for anything at this point, and I think Baines. <laughs> Let's party. Has yeah, exactly. Let's roll. Whatever you want to do, man. Throw them in the blender, uh, the Travis Green line blender, as we always joke about in the broadcast. But I, I think Baines has has in a short sample size shown that um, you know he could be a good complementary player to skilled players. Right? We've seen him play with Miller. We've seen him play with Lindholm. Um, so, you know, putting him on that line with Hoaglander and Pedersen and essentially letting him and Hoaglander be like the, the four checkers that go in and win puck battles is fine by me. And then we've seen that Baines has that playmaking ability. You know, he, in his first game, he set up Teddy Bluger for a really good chance in front. And I think that's part of the reason why they moved him to the Miller line after that was, um, you know, he's, he's not just a, a guy coming up from the AHL that's a four-checker that can get in and, and win battles, and that's all his game is. There's more to it there. He's produced a ton of offense previously in his career. He was the leading scorer in the Western Hockey League. So um, even though his route to the NHL has been a little bit more roundabout, undrafted, uh, having to work his way up through Abbotsford and, and now getting a chance to debut late in the season on a very good team that's having a good year, it doesn't mean that that skill isn't there. It doesn't mean that you can't unlock it. And I think he could be a good fit on that line if that's the direction they go in. But based on the way they were able to come back and beat the Bruins, it wouldn't surprise me at all if we see the same lines from Talkett tonight at the very least. Burroughs with a couple of Swedes, Baines with a couple of Swedes. Yeah, there are parallels for sure. <laughs> um, how important was that goal for Philip Hronik, not just for the team, but Frankly, I I think himself because 
I could see, and frankly, I was getting a little frustrated with his play. Um, did you feel that he had been a little bit off, or was that just me being critical? Um, maybe a little bit. I mean, the, the point production had dipped a little bit, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, he had one point in five games prior to scoring that goal. Um, but we're still talking about a guy that's playing north of 23, almost 24 minutes a night. We're still talking about a guy that's up there in the league in plus minus second in the NHL, I believe right now. And I know how much you guys love plus minus. (laughs) Yeah. We're, we're, we're we're trying to bring it back. Halford's trying to bring it back. I'm well, I'll support my Um, friend in that. Yeah. But, um, but I, you know, the offensive production may not always be there for him, although like he's still on pace to have a tremendous offensive season, be just shy of a 60 point guy kind of thing on the back end. But it, to me, it's always going to be more about how that pairing controls play and how they can tilt the ice for the Canucks, especially when we get down the stretch into important games and into the playoffs, because one thing, and I think we talked about this earlier in the season, that I've liked about the way that Rick Tockett has deployed those guys is he's not really overplaying them like Quinn Hughes is still playing south of 25 minutes a night Heronic's playing under 24 minutes a night Mm -hmm. and in the modern day NHL top defensemen play like 26 minutes a night like if you you look at how much the Avalanche use Kale McCarr or how much the Kings use Drew Doughty like Quinn Hughes nor Philip Heronic are being utilized in that manner right now but when you get to the playoffs that could be a game changer being able to add an extra minute or two per game when your top pairings on the ice and can help control play and, and tilt the ice. So, you know, is it fair to say Heronic went through a little bit of a dip kind of around the same team, at the same time the team went through a little bit of a dip? I think that's fair. But, you know, at the same time, um, this is a guy that's playing on arguably the best pairing in the NHL right now. And, you know, the, you just need to look at the underlying numbers to see how big of a difference those two guys make when they're on the ice together. So it's not something I'm concerned about, but if scoring that goal and, and mm-hmm. helping the team get back in the game is good for his confidence, then that's great for the, the group as well. I think to be fair to Heronic, one of the things that maybe frustrated people, including myself, was seeing him out there on the power play and seeing him out there being completely ineffective on the power play. But that wasn't yeah. really his fault because – that was just the coaching staff being like, okay, well, I guess we'll try Heronic on the first unit power play. And it didn't work, right? Like, we all we can all agree it didn't work. Um, Batch, when it comes to the power play, I know that was a big goal that they scored against the Bruins. But it was, it was four on three on the power play. Um, do you think we will see JT Miller back to that la- left half-wall uh, half position? It'll be interesting to see. Um, I like him there as well. I think the the threat that he provides from that spot by being willing to shoot the puck is something that that power play misses and has missed during its recent run of futility because that kind of has been the main issue for me is that no one's willing to shoot it. So they'll get set up in their umbrella and they'll pass it around and they're getting looks and they don't have the looks and the shooting lanes are being filled and teams are taking away the passing lanes. So they just keep passing it around the top and eventually somebody bobbles the puck and turns it over and it gets cleared back down the ice. The fact that Miller on that left side can look downhill is willing to just tee off and fire away, but also has the the touch and the finesse to make a play like he made to Besser at the back door, or we've seen him make tremendous passes to Pedersen wide open at the right circle for scoring opportunities as well. 
that's something the power play misses and it's something that keeps penalty kills honest. So um, I'll be interested to see if they work on the power play at the morning skate today, because we didn't really see them do that much work on it uh, at practice a couple of days ago. And it's clear that, you know, as much as you get a four on three power play goal to win the game, uh, the power play still needs a lot of work. And um, I think it's what two for its last 30 now, even though you include that, that overtime winner. So certainly not good enough. And I'll be interested to see whether that's the move they make. Uh, there's been some suggestion that they kind of try to go with a one, a one B and split up some of those top guys on different units. So um, that could be intriguing to follow as well. And um, one way or another, they've got to get that power play going sooner rather than later, because you know, the later in the season you get with it struggling, the more and more worried you get about, you know, it not being able to get a critical goal for you at a critical time once you get to the postseason. Batch, this was great, bud. Thanks for taking the time to do it. Have a good call tonight. We'll do this again next week. Sounds good. Thanks, boys. Thank you. Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, it is time for what we learn coming up on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Can I do one? Uh, yeah, sure. You want to do it now? Yeah, sure. Okay, go ahead. Um... I've learned that while we've been talking a lot about the quarterback decision that the Chicago Bears have to make with Justin Fields or essentially drafting Caleb mm-hmm. Williams, um, the Denver Broncos still have an interesting decision to make when it comes to our old friend Russell Wilson. And I was reading an ESPN article about this. Um, in you know the options are keep Russell Wilson um, simply because. <laughs> Like releasing Wilson before free agency would bring an $85 million mm-hmm. dead money charge to the Broncos salary cap over the next two seasons. Like the Minnesota Wild are like, that's a lot of dead cap right there. Yes. Um, the other options, thank you. The other options are, you know, you trade up in the draft or you sign a veteran QB. You could go with uh, Jared Stidham. Or you could draft a prospect and wait and see. So, or you could is, not go with Jared Stidham. That is another option. Um, so they have a tough decision to make in Denver. Um, but <laughs> Russell Wilson was on a uh, God. What was he on? Brandon he's, Marshall's podcast. I'm an athlete. He was on. There you go. You got all the details. Yep. Um, and once again, Russ, like he can't help himself. Like, he can't just say, like, I want to get back to being an elite quarterback and win a Super Bowl. He has to get greedy, and this is what he had to say. So you sitting here at 35, say you feel the best you've ever felt. Do you still have that obsession? I got more fire than ever, honestly, especially over the past two years of what I've gone through, whether it's in Denver or somewhere else. I, I hope it's in Denver. You know, I hope I get to finish there. I, I, I committed there. I wanted to be there. You know, I want to be there. For me, it's about winning. Over the next five years, I want to win too. I want to feel the chill of that trophy again. You know, I, I love the city and everything else. But, you know, you also want to be a place that, that wants you too. So the thing that I, I, I want to do is, is, is win, man. That's all, that's all I care about. That music kicked in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. So he's like, he's like uh, I want to win too. <laughs> Well, it ain't going to be in Denver, I'll tell you that much. You've got, what day is it? The 27th? You have two days left as a Denver Bronco. Is that, is that what people are saying? Uh, so the $37 million guarantee for 2025 becomes fully guaranteed in March. So 
it's all understanding that they're going to make the move to get rid of them before that kicks in. Mm-hmm. Because as you mentioned, 37 million is a lot. They made this abundantly clear. They're, they had to go into CYA mode, which is cover your ass mode at the end of the year, because they wanted to make it abundantly clear that uh, Sean Payton's decision to bench Russell Wilson had nothing to do with the $37 million. They were just really enamored with two weeks of meaningless play from Jared Stidham. <laughs> they just, they had to, they had to put a sort of precursor. They had to make it seem like this was a football decision yeah, that on they, the field. That they weren't leaning on him to do something with his contract. Exactly. So now you just kind of have to let the wheels spin. But unfortunately, Russ, and I don't know whether this is just ignorance or naivete or what, but he just, he won't, Except the fact that it's done. And like he, he said in that same interview with uh, Brandon Marshall, said he hadn't even thought about potential future suitors for his services, to which I said, you should start thinking about those things because uh, your future is not going to be in Denver. Like that, that's done. That is going to go down as the worst trade in Denver Broncos history, maybe the worst two year era mm-hmm. in Denver Broncos history because. Unlike other quarterbacks that they brought in, and they're like, well, maybe this will work out. They put all their eggs in the basket. They signed him to the extension, remember, before they ever saw him take a snap in a Denver Broncos uniform. And it was one of the biggest gambles that that franchise has ever taken, and it's blown up in catastrophic fashion. My big question now is, where does he end up? I know that there's been ties to Pittsburgh. Right, Pittsburgh sort of started making moves at the quarterback position. They got rid of Mitch Trubisky. I'm not sure that Kenny Pickett's going to be the guy long term. His hands are too small. So you're looking at it and you're saying, where? <laughs> you know what's funny is if you just like take a quick glance at Russ's numbers last year. They were fine. 26 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. The MVP of the league, Lamar Jackson, 24 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Now... No one obviously is that completely ignores the fact that Lamar is a a lot more mobile than um, Russ. Nobody is denying that Russell Wilson's play improved year over year from 2022 to 2023. Yeah. He got better in that system. But what also became abundantly clear, and this I aired on this one because I thought that Peyton would just walk away from this after seeing what a disaster it was. Sean Payton was clearly brought in to be the hatchet man there. His, his number one priority was absolutely to coach the football team, mm-hmm. but number 1A on the priority chart was you're going to need to get rid of us. And, I, you know, however you want to do it, is that's up to you. But that's... S- that's say the words that I want to hear. That you were right? Mr. That, yeah. Unlimited. Yeah. He's somewhat limited now. Those are the words got, you wanted to hear, right? Yeah, limited yeah. in the sense that he has two days left as a Denver Bronco. Uh, okay, Moo Cow, that one. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.